Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com renew to learn more. For the best TV viewing experience, witness the coziest maroons, the most vibrant and brightest moons, the eeriest and darkest tombs, and radiant and vivid hues in any type of room with the Neo QLED and OLED TVs by Samsung. We're supposed to say Samsung, but that didn't rhyme, so <laughs> you're welcome. Samsung, more wow than ever. What is up, everyone? Welcome to the Awesome MMA Strategy Show. As we are here to get you ready for UFC Vegas number 29, which is on Saturday afternoon there in Las Vegas. We got a lock time of 4 p.m. Eastern time. And of course, main card will be 7 p.m. Eastern time, headlined by the Korean Zombie. Taking on Dan Ige, of course, as always, I am joined by the fighter pete rogers jr good evening pete how you doing brother what is up what's going on everybody thank you for joining us today i hope you guys killed it last week it was an awesome card um this week this card is a you know it's a little underwhelming compared to last week but you know it's fights and (laughs) we're here to help you guys make some money and break it down for you it would have been a really great weekend for me if uh jamal hill would have won I, I oh would tell you, but unfortunately, like, look, if you listen to what I said last week, I told you what concerned me about Jamal Hill was if the fight went to the ground, goes to the ground. And I guess if we want to say anything about Jamal Hill going forward, the guy's arm can be dislocated. He, he's still going to be trying to knock out his opponent. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, you, you called it saying that Paul Craig was the ultimate boom bust guy. I mean, I didn't really foresee that happening because you know we saw jamal hill kind of get out of the position and then go back into the position which is like a fight iq issue um going forward you're gonna have to you know maybe temper some expectations you know regarding certain matchups and whatnot but all in all it was a great card i mean happy for brandon moreno coming through and capturing the belt that was pretty damn awesome uh i like it when great moments and great accomplishments happen to good people and uh, i thought that was like you know, just the story of the night. It, I think Brandon Moreno kind of stole the show. Yeah, a mural went up on Sunday morning there uh, in Tijuana. I'm sure a lot of people have seen that. There was a, a small little time-lapse video. Uh, there was, and actually the same artist actually did a mural of him prior to the fight as well and said that another one would be going up when he won the title there. Just a, a great moment there. And, uh, of course, uh, Izzy goes out there and does what he does and – uh you know, Pete, that's a that's a, a prime example of a fighter not listening to his corners. Every time he came back, you lost that round. You lost that round. You lost that round. And then he's just magically baffled when the score is 50-45. Yeah, quite delusional. Now, I was at work, right? And, uh, you know, I, I ended up purchasing the pay-per-view on my, on my phone. So some people started, like, noticing I was watching. And they started, like, forming a crowd. I'm like, guys, get the heck out of here. Like, you're going to blow my cover. Like, I'm trying to watch the fights in peace while I'm supposed to be working and then probably 25 minutes after purchasing the pay-per-view, my phone just completely shut down. So I was in the dark with the rest of the card. 
I didn't, I couldn't even check Twitter. I couldn't even, I didn't even know what the heck was going on. I was like asking like some of my close friends at work, like, Hey, let me borrow your phone. Let me go on sure dog. And uh, I was trying to keep up with the fights that way. But uh, no, I missed out and I ended up watching some of the fights the day after, but it was an excellent card. Um, You know, you always think that maybe in a rematch, things will be different and they weren't really much different. I mean, they both, both fighters have evolved, but clearly Israel Adesanya still has a gap between him and Marvin Vittori. We'll have to see, you know, as far as, uh, you know, Chito Vera against Davy Grant in a rematch this week, who has evolved, who has maybe taken a step back or if things will be different this time around. But I am excited to break down the card with you and especially for, you know, our audience and, uh, you know, always appreciative to have you guys join us. Of course, uh, be sure to hit that thumbs up button right here on YouTube. If you're not subscribed to the channel, you got to do that. We got a lot of great programming for you. Of course, right before us was Lawfully and Adam getting you ready for tonight's NBA action. Of course, we always have free premium tools and data over at awesomeo.com. If you're not a member, you want to get a little peek behind what's behind the paywall today. The free premium tools and data has been NBA Big Board, MLB Top Stacks, and PGA Golfer Rankings. So that's a great thing you can check out there. But, Pete, let's get right into this one. UFC Vegas number 29, main event, the Korean Zombie taking on Dan Ige, your favorite salary of the night, 8200 for the Zombie, 8000 for Dan Ige. Dan Ige is now the betting favorite in this one, a minus 135 betting favorite, plus 115 for the zombie. If you want to be a Dan Ige backer, uh, you've already missed out on the best line. That, that line was there. I remember I looked right after the fights on Sunday, and this was a straight-up pick of minus 110 on both sides. So uh, I will say this. I think if you want to if you want to be a Korean zombie backer from a betting perspective, I think you just wait till the last minute because I think that potentially that line is going to get better for you. I'll tell you this. One of the things I've really noticed, a lot of sharp minds are on Dan Ige in this one, but you're kind of looking at it from the other side. Yeah, you know, I'm interested with this main event and I'm happy that the salaries are kind of, you know, reflecting my struggle with it as well. They, they understand it's a close fight and they understand that, you know, this is an important matchup for the division. I was expecting the odds to be a little bit different, um, but I do think that, you know, Chan Sung Jung coming in at 8,200, you know, especially because of his UFC experience and his strength of schedule, if you will, within the UFC, I think it kind of speaks, you know, for itself that he should be the the favorite or started out as the favorite. And now a lot of money has been coming in on Danny Gay, but this could be a case of recency bias. And how often do we see recency bias really reflect uh, on Vegas odds or on the, the public's money where they start hammering certain lines because of one poor performance. Now, you know, one poor performance, isn't the, the steady, you know, going forward. It's not going to be just the constant moving forward. And, you know, I know I understand that Chan Sung Jung was a little bit underwhelming against Brian Ortega, but is it more about him looking bad in that matchup or Brian Ortega really excelling and kind of just exceeding expectations and making some necessary adjustments to his boxing game and just having a complete game to really take chance on Jung out of it. Um, You have to also think that that was an emotional fight for both fighters. I know that there was some like legitimate beef at one point between Ortega and chance on Jung. But I mean, if we take all that, you know, out and we really just look at the stylistic matchup, I think that it's an interesting fight because Chan Sung Jung has fought the, the tougher competition. Uh, obviously, we are always worried about how much damage he has taken across his career and when will that damage eventually, you know, you know, catch up to him. You think about the George Roop fight, uh, you know, about how when he has lost, you, know, you th- even think about 
the, the last second knockout loss to Yair Rodriguez, um, the Jose Aldo injury and, and loss. So there are gen, you know, genuine concerns regarding Chan Sung Jung's durability, but if you're unable to put his lights out, he will continue to walk you down. I mean, I feel like him being a part of fight ready is amazing. I, I, I do like his connection with Eddie Cha and I want to see him in the cage and I want to see this connection start to unfold and show all the work, you know, under the bright lights, because I do think that Eddie Cha is one of the most underrated coaches out there. I mean, I think if you're in the know, you know who Eddie Cha is, but I think the, the general public doesn't know who he is. So for me, I do like Chan Sung Jung in the fight. I think it's a close fight. I think Chan Sung Jung has some sleep, you know, some, uh, underrated grappling to make things interesting. Obviously Dan Ige can, can look to resort to takedowns to solidify rounds, but I think it could be a little bit difficult. I understand chance on Jung's takedown defense was a little shoddy against Ortega, but man, I, I don't know. I, I'm liking chance on Jung as this underdog or possibly at low ownership where everybody's going to be flocking to Dan Ige. Yeah. I mean, I, I think here is kind of my concerns. I, I am concerned about being 34 years old, the amount okay. of wear and tear that Chan Sung Jung has gone throughout the years. If Danny Gay does go the takedown route, um, you know, in terms of, of DFS, I think that this is a fight to prioritize because of the salary on DraftKings. I, I don't think I'm prioritizing this fight over on FanDuel. It's just because of the price point over there, $19 for Ige, $18 for Chan Sung Jung. You know, one of the things of Danny Ige has shown toughness, uh, but, you know, and this is a fight that he's talked about that he wants this to propel him into that top five conversation. And, and to me, I think when you look at the 145 pound division, there's tiers of this. And, and I think that you look at the top tier being Volk, Holloway, Ortega, that next tier being zombie cater Zabit, and then that third tier is when you start getting into danny gay and, and the rest of this division so it's a big opportunity for danny gay first fight for danny gay since having a child so how much that's going to kind of play a role into it he he noted that he had to have a conversation uh with, with his wife about the fact of when he got this fight offer of like hey um yeah, I would be in training camp uh, during the first uh, two months of our baby's life. Are you okay with this? She was okay with it. And then on the, the zombie side, what I found really interesting was he was asking for a three-round fight here. He was tired of these five-round fights. So um, I, I think zombie is more, I would say, the GPP play, where I think Dan Ige, I prefer him in cash over GPP. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see this you know fight unfold. I think that... If you look back, um, you know, when Chan Sung Jung has had success, it's when he's able to hurt his opponents on the feet. Um, and when he does connect, he does hurt his opponents. So, I mean, you think about the knockout over Frankie Edgar, Hanata Moicano, Dennis Bermudez, uh, you know, even back if we think this is some time because, my goodness, Chan Sung Jung had to, you know, serve some time in the military so that he had a long absence away from the cage in the octagon then an eventual return. So he hasn't been in the cage as much as you want, but even going back to 2012, you think about his, you know, uh, submission win over Dustin Poirier, which is fantastic when, you know, Mark Homina came in there after losing his coach and was just completely so emotional and ran into a right hand and got finished within, uh, you know, 10 seconds or something crazy like that. Um, you know, I, I just think that chance on Jung has that like, that death touch where if he does connect, he can put your, put your lights away. He puts, you know, combinations together. Excellent. He um, is not the defensively sound fighter in this matchup. It's definitely Dan Ige, 
but I think his presence and just overall toughness can be tough, can be difficult to deal with. So I am favoring Chan Sung Jung. I think the volume will be there. And I think that he's a level above Dan Ige, but as far as like GPPs and lineup construction, I, you can't avoid Danny Gay. I mean, his salary, you know, he's, I always say prioritize main event, co-main event underdogs. He's in a great spot here, even at 8,000. So he could definitely come through. But for me, a little contrarian in my approach, I like Chan Sun Jung. Now, if there's ever a time that you're unable to watch us right here live on YouTube or after a fact, you can catch us a part of the Osmo Podcast Network and be sure to submit a five-star rating or review with your Twitter handle or Osmo username. You'll be entered to win a free month of Osmo Plus Platinum. One lucky winner will be awarded every Friday or user eligible for up to one year. And this is your best chance out there to win a free month of Osmo Plus. So go to Osmo.com slash podcast to get your favorite podcast as all of our strategy shows are a part of the awesome podcast network, whether it's MMA, NBA, NASCAR, which I'm a part of, be sure to check that out over at awesome.com slash podcast. Now our co-main event of the evening will be a heavyweight matchup as we've got Alexi Olenek, a plus 185 betting underdog taking on Sergey Spivak, who is minus 225 looking over the DraftKings side of this equation. Sergey Spivak is 9,200, 7,000 for Alexi Olenek. And uh, Pete, look, I, I think this was a kind of a pretty easy one to break down and uh, I'll, I'll go right to the prop bets on this one. Sergey Spivak wins by TKO KO minus 140. Olenek wins by submission plus 325. If you're Sergey Spivak, he should win this fight. He should win this fight against a 43-year-old heavyweight. But if he is going to lose, he has got to be careful. If this fight hits the ground, he's in top position. Because if he's in top position and Alexi Olenek is on his back, you know what Alexi Olenek's going for. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, his Ezekiel choke is fantastic and he's hunting it from all angles and all positions that are odd, whether he's on top position, bottom position, standing up, um, it's his go-to submission, but, um, you know, against a sound grappler, usually that submission should not happen. Uh, it's more of a gi submission, but he has made adjustments to make it, you know, successful within MMA and he's got some of the most submission wins within the entire game. So I can't argue anything against that, but I can make up some points of, you know, his age, his durability to this point um, against a young, a young fighter who seems to be like blossoming within the division. Uh, Sergey Spivak usually has the ground advantage or wrestling advantage over his uh, opposition. I don't know if he'll have the jujitsu advantage, but he's, he's talented enough to avoid some positions. Now this entire fight will depend on Sergey Spivak's, um, just his will to maintain position rather than trying to go submission for submission against Alexei Olenek. You start doing that, you allow Olenek to scramble, you allow Olenek to capture a neck, an arm, what what have you. And next thing you know, you're in a, in a tough situation. But on the feet, Alexei Olenek makes too many mistakes. He's too wide with his shots. I think Sergei Spivak, despite being underwhelming at times, I think that he can capitalize on some mistakes, uh, hurt him in the clinch, be strong enough to avoid same, some takedowns, maintain top position, get control time, end up winning some rounds. Um, and I, I just, outside of like, you know, a dart throw, I don't really like the matchup for Alexei Olenek. 
Obviously, the one thing that you can think of about Sergey Spivak is when he fought Misha Serkinov and he was controlled on the mat for some time. If Alexei Olenek is able to go and implement that game plan and, and take him down and just get on top and just trying to win rounds that way, it's definitely a, a path to victory. But it's Sergey Spivak for me, and I'm not really considering Olenek for a lot of my lineups. Uh, 720 Red Dog checking in in the YouTube chat saying, if Spivak doesn't win this fight, Father Time knows no end. Father yeah. Time catches up with everyone. Don't forget yeah. that. Father Time is real. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's oh, it's real. And, uh, you know, if you look back on Alexei Olenek's uh, recent run, um, TKO lost to Chris Dalkis, uh, got absolutely obliterated from Derek Lewis, won a split decision over Fabrizio Verdum. We actually hit that hit that uh, fight correctly. Um, and that was for, for doom coming off of, you know, some USADA issues, possibly not really the most motivated, but going up against a guy who can nullify wrestling and get in better position is not going to play guard off of his back. Like Sergey Spivak should be able to go out there and win rounds against Alexi Olenek. So it's Spivak for me. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's about playing Sergey Spivak, but look, if you're, if you're playing, you know, a 20 entry or maybe even going 150, you, you sprinkle in Alexio Link just in case we, we see what we saw happen with Paul Craig last week. I mean, I think it's God. something you have to consider there. Uh, you know, you look over the FanDuel side of the equation, $22 uh, for survey Spivak. It's it's a high price. And if you're doing that, you, you definitely got to be hoping that he's going to get the victory there in the first round. Then we got a rematch that you mentioned a little earlier of Marlon Vera and Davy Grant. They fought all the way back in 2016. That's a long, long time ago. As uh, now this five years later, uh, Marlon Vera, the two-to-one betting favorite in this one, plus 170 for Davy Grant. 9,100 for Marlon Vera on DraftKings, $21 on FanDuel. For Davy Grant, $7,108 over on FanDuel. Um, this is, uh, I, I will say this first off, I thought it was kind of odd matchmaking in a way by the UFC. The fact that Cheeto Vera goes from fighting, you know, the great, you know, potentially the greatest featherweight of all time, at least as we sit here now with Jose Aldo to going down to fighting Davy Grant. Davy Grant has been on a, a nice little run here, but, uh, you know, this to me is I, I'm all over Cheeto Vera in this situation. Yeah. I mean, I feel like a lot of people will be targeting Davy Grant because he beat Marlon Vera once. And a lot of times in rematches, it does favor the, the person who is the victor in, in the first bout. Um, but you always have to take into consideration how long from the first, you know, from the first fight it was. Um, it's some time, as you mentioned. Uh, and I do think that the development has been more in Marlon Vera's favor than it has been in Davy Grant. Yes, Davy Grant has had excellent performances where he lands strong punches, big left hooks, big looping shots. But I do think Marlon Vera is the side to play in this situation. But if you want a guy who can possibly break the slate by landing one shot, 7,100 Davy Grant might be your guy. But for me, I'm, I'm taking the safer ap- approach. And I do think that Marlon Vera, you know, is a decent play here. Um, since that loss, he's really fought a lot and has been really, really active, has some wins over some tough competition. Uh, Brad Pickett, Brian Kelleher, uh, Frankie Science, um, Andre Yule, Sean O'Malley. Obviously, we saw that. Now, I will say that I think that Marlon Vera is a little under uh, overrated. I do think he is overrated. I think that a lot of people put too much stock in that O'Malley win, and yes, it was somewhat fluky, but I do think that he has the, the skills, whether it's stand-up, 
whether it's jujitsu, uh, wrestling. I think that he has enough skills now in 2021 to beat Davy Grant. I think that it's going to be a complete performance. I like him in this matchup. Um, the price is affordable, 9100 I feel like I like. Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com slash renew to learn more. For the best TV viewing experience, witness the coziest maroons, the most vibrant and brightest moons, the eeriest and darkest tombs, and radiant and vivid hues in any type of room with the Neo QLED and OLED TVs by Samsung. We're supposed to say Samsung, but that didn't rhyme, so <laughs> you're welcome. Samsung, more wow than ever. Do I like Marlon Vera at 9,100 more than I like Sergey Spivak? That is the question. And I think it's a legitimate question. I don't know. I, I, might, I might like Marlon Vera just a tick more. I feel like if you're prioritizing first-round finish, I think you prioritize Sergey Spivak. You think you think he gets rid of him? Yeah, he should, right? In all likelihood, I I, I, I think a Marlon Vera, if the stoppage victory comes, I think it comes in the second or third round. And I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Um, you know, if we look at Marlon Vera, ninety one hundred, he landed two takedowns against Song Yudong, uh, one against Noelin Hernandez, two against Guido Canetti, uh, one against uh, Buren. So I mean, like takedown route is there, control time is there, submissions are always it's what path with what path and what strategy is he going to implement in this fight i just favor marlon vera in almost all the sequences here maybe inside in like a, a phone booth fighting i would favor davy grant but i'm excited to see the rematch for sure but it's marlon vera for me of course uh we'll be uh talking about that uh, more in depth of course on live before lock on saturday as we'll get you ready for ufc vegas number 29 now of course if you are not a member of Awesome Plus and want to become a member, we do have a special promo going on where you use a promo code MMA Strategy Show. And if you're a new user of Awesome Plus Platinum, you got to take advantage of this deal where you get 25% off your first week of Awesome Plus Platinum. All you got to do is use the promo code MMA Strategy Show for 25% off your first week of Awesome Plus platinum but if you're only looking for a awesome mma weekly pass you can get that for 8.95 stop guessing start winning join awesome plus today great deal we got going on there just for this show be sure to use that promo code mma strategy show of course give you access to ownership projections player projections that top fighter tool in terms of mma take advantage of that of course some other sports that we have you know where it comes baseball basketball hockey whatever it may be you know one of those terms we use boom bus we're going to talk about our boom bus fighter a little later on in the show uh you know talked about that uh, two weeks ago with walt harris and i've pinpointed a fighter on this car that to me is my boom bus fighter on this one. we'll get to that fighter later on in the show next up is a matchup that uh i i truly believe i think we got to target this one in terms of gpps and that 
Inez, Julian Arosa versus Songwoo Choi. Songwoo Choi, the betting favorite here, minus 155, plus 135 for Julian Arosa. 7,600 for Arosa on DraftKings, $12 on FanDuel for Choi. 8,600 on DraftKings, $19 on FanDuel. Julian LaRosa has been on a nice little roll here, Pete. Uh, obviously, there's always going to be the, the question marks with this Chen. I will say that uh, a prop bet I do like here is the under two and a half rounds at plus 115. Of course, you can check out the betting lines over there at oddshopper.awesomeo.com. But I, I truly do feel I think this is a fight we have to prioritize this week because of the likelihood that it is going to end in a finish. Yeah, th- this fight really screams GPP for me because you have Julian Arosa who has so much momentum on his side and his striking has looked good. It's always his striking defense that has kind of gotten him in trouble. Um, but he has good good grappling and good submission skills to kind of back up or you know complement his striking if things get tough. You know, we've seen it in the Sean Woodson fight where he started to resort to takedowns and eventually got a beautiful Darce choke. So I know that his submission game is always a threat. Now he has 30 something fights and um, he's facing off against Sungwoo Choi who, you know, has 12 professional fights. So that's, that's a big, big gap in competition and experience. Now Sungwoo Choi is a powerful fighter for, for the featherweight division. Um, and he's usually pretty long, but let me say that Julian Rose is pretty long as well. Um, it's hard for me to really back one of these guys so confidently. Yes, you have a, a wide range of salaries. Sungwoo Choi, 8,600. Um, Julian Rosa, 7,600. So naturally, I will always have um, – the underdog will always have a little bit more appeal to me in a close fight because I want to roster that you know, that fighter under the 8,000 that allows me roster flexibility to pay up for other people or get some of these studs that I want to prioritize. Um, Julian Rosa's volume is also something that we need to take into consideration. Um, high, high volume. So even if this goes the distance, you can see him landing a hundred plus significant strikes. Um, Juicy J, I mean, momentum's a real thing and has looked absolutely phenomenal in his previous two bouts that against two powerful strikers, right? Well, Sean Woodson, more of a volume guy with crisp boxing. Nate Landwer, I thought was a, a matchup nightmare for him because he hit so hard and could expose, you know, the chinniness of Julian Arosa. But I mean, Julian Arosa really went out there and, and, you know, put a halt to that pretty quickly by hopping on him early and landing a beautiful flying knee. So, you know, whenever a guy has 30 something fights, not even including his ultimate fighter experience, I think you have to have exposure to him, especially when he's been on a roll. And uh, of, you know, the 12 fights of Sung Woo Choi, he has three defeats, whereas Julian Rosa is 25 and nine. So um, all in all, I am excited for this matchup. Initially, I did like Sung Woo Choi, but after looking at the rest of the card, and kind of starting to, I started to talk myself into Julian Arosa. So I will be leaning Julian Arosa, but I would agree with you that you need to prioritize this fight. Uh, and, um, I'm going to say it's Nick M here. He says, how many jabs Juicy J going to eat? I mean, that that's the one thing. I mean, a lot. <laughs> Julian is a guy that I've got a great relationship with, but the one thing is, is this is a guy, he loves to strike and, and he will take, he, he will eat a punch or two to, to land a punch or two. Yeah. Uh, so, right. Like who would you give the, the striking advantage to? I'd probably say that Sungwoo Choi hits harder and Julian Rosa has the better volume and it was probably a little quicker, but who has the better grappling? Um, if Julian Rosa is able to just, you know, get Sungwoo Choi thinking about, you know, the striking and he starts to implement takedowns, you know, that's his striking could open up his takedowns and his takedowns could open up his striking. So whenever you have that dual threat, 
I think that, you know, the fight really favors you more than, than the other opponent. For some reason, and I got to check on this, I believe Juicy J works out a 10th planet there in Vegas. Really? I think so. Well, I I I, I, I want to say he works with Casey Hofstad. I want to I want to I want to believe so. Well, I mean, it would make sense because of how sneaky his jujitsu is. Um, I mean, he captures necks so well, uh, but he does enjoy striking. But I, I think that he started to recognize, like, listen, if things get get tricky, and he was outgunned against Sean Woodson from a volume aspect, and then he just said, "All right, I'm going to test this guy's grappling," and he did so. So uh, I'm, I'm excited to see this fight, and I will be prioritizing this fight one way or another. Sungwoo Choi has KO power, so I wouldn't be surprised to see him knock out Juicy J either. By the way, speaking of Sean Woodson, just uh, had surgery on his uh, hand, and uh, we talk to him tomorrow. So uh, nice. look for that on my show coming up here. But, uh, yeah, he just had – he had, we were actually we were supposed to talk last week, and then but uh, his appointment with his doctor came, and – yeah, they, they did surgery earlier on this week on, on his hand, so a uh, big right. win for him there. Uh, but next up, we got uh, another matchup that you you look at, you think this is another fight we got to be prioritizing in terms of our GPPs. Wellington Thurman, plus 120 betting underdog, taking on Bruno Silva. He is minus 140. Over on DraftKings side of the equation, Bruno Silva, 8,800, 7,400 for Wellington Thurman, and then 17 and 14, respectively, over there on Fandle. So, Pete, uh, why are you thinking this is a fight we got to be really considering here? Yeah, I'm, I think it's a fight that we need to consider because of so many unknowns, and the unknowns really surround Bruno Silva, right? I mean, you know, outside the UFC, finally gets a shot in the UFC, but leading up to it, he's had some spectacular performances over legitimate competition, uh, big, big KO threat, especially over an M1. Um, we've, we've seen him across picking up some huge wins, knocking out Alexander Shlomenko, then Artem Frolov. I mean, the guy has, you know, he has that death touch about him and he's able to prevent some takedowns and then make his opponents pay. So he's a big, big guy and he's a big guy, especially because he popped for PEDs. So now we're seeing him off a long layoff. You know, his last fight was in November of 2018, where he captured a fourth round TKO over Artem Frolov. We're talking two and a half years, right? And uh, now coming into the UFC, um, you would think that he's off the PEDs and perhaps it's going to be affecting his performance. We always mention how um, PEDs can really just, you know, you don't know how somebody's going to you know, recover from that. Is it more of a, a confidence thing? And that's why they got into it. Is it something that they've used throughout their entire career and they've always slipped through the cracks. Is he going to use it now? We don't know. That's something that we don't know. And that's one of the things we always talk about, but um, Wellington Terman did just get knocked out by, uh, by Sanchez. And uh, you know, when he got knocked out by Sanchez, you're thinking of Andrew Sanchez as a guy who mixes in striking with some takedowns, not really a knockout threat. Yes. He does have some pop, but I don't know. I don't consider him a KO guy. And then he really flatlined them pretty bad. And, you know, Wellington Terman has strong, strong wrestling and grappling, not the most technical, but when he can get in there and make things ugly against a guy that could fatigue because of being off of PEDs or just being, you know, just so muscle bound that, you know, his, his cardio isn't really up to par at 7,400. We always talk about how DraftKings, you know, favors grapplers and favors wrestlers. So 7,400 Wellington Terman needs to be on your radar. Absolutely needs to be on your radar because of the takedowns, the control time, the possibility of him working towards a finish of, you know, maybe Bruno Silva can't hang 
off of his PEDs. But for me, 8,800, let's say everything's normal. I like Bruno Silva to knock out Wellington Terman, but this is a fight where I'll be smashing exposure. Yeah, there is a fire layer on the car that I am looking. In terms of the wrestling there, of course, uh, this is the awesome MMA strategy show. We are sponsored by Monkey Knife Fight. With Monkey Knife Fight, you are in charge with their player prop contest, and they have an instant first match deposit of up to $100. You can sign up by using the promo code Awesomeo, as uh, of course, uh, it's one of the things I love to do is I look over there at Monkey Knife Fight and I'm looking at these more or less contests. And there are two fights I will tell you that I have really pinpointed this week. The first fight is the co main event of Sergey Spivak and Alexi Olenek, more or less Pete Rogers Jr. Total strikes 56 and a half for Sergey Spivak. 28 and a half for Alexi Olenek. It's interesting, man. It is interesting. Um, 56 and a half. See, see to me, I, I, and this is my thought is, is if you think this fight ends in the first round, I think you're looking at less 56 and a half on Sergey Spivak. The 28 and a half on Olenek is interesting because of just potentially landing strikes on the mat. That's where it becomes interesting. I think if you think this is going to be a first round finish, I think this is a double less here. I, I think I'd have to agree with you, especially when you, when you, you know, kind of think of how a fight would go, you know, Alexei Olenek is probably close to retirement. You would imagine. And his best shot at getting a victory is by implementing takedowns and trying to get the fight where he's most comfortable. And that's on the mat. So anytime that you, understand it's going to be more of a grappling bout you have to temper expectations for striking volume obviously um and also you have to take it into consideration whether you think that this fight is going to be you know finished or go the distance if it goes the distance then i think maybe those totals it's going to be close but i i do would i, I would agree with you that i think the double less is probably the way to go about that fight the other matchup that I'm looking at over at monkey knife fight is chaos williams and matthew schmelzberger Chaos Williams, 55 and a half, 36 and a half on Matthew Schmelzberger. And, and I think this is another fight, and we'll get more into this when we get down to that matchup. It's got to be your thought process of how the fight is going to go. If you think this is going to be a Chaos Williams win in the first round, I think this is a double less situation. But if you think this fight is going to get, say, to the third round, I think it's a double more situation. Yeah, so it's a great point. And, um, I do think that this fight is going to go the distance. Um, if it doesn't, then obviously you want to hit the double less. But I think if it goes the distance, I honestly don't know if Chaos Williams can keep up with Semmelsberger's volume. Semmelsberger at 36 and a half, you have to hammer the more on that. Um, I think that he's going to absolutely exceed that. The Chaos Williams is a little tricky because in some of his decisions, he has landed around 50. So I probably would say less because I would imagine Semmelsberger would be looking to implement some takedowns to kind of keep the fight safe. Uh, mention uh, Mr. Bubbles. I see you there with your question. We'll get to your question towards the end of the show. And uh, Nick brings up a great point about FanDuel, about you got to be looking at takedown defense over there as well. You know, we saw what happened with Bilal Muhammad just stopping all those single-leg takedown attempts. And uh, I was actually listening to uh, Bilal on the Anakin Fournier podcast, and he said, he goes, look, 
because that's all I prepared all camp was single leg. I just knew single legs are coming in and he was able to get that. I was actually surprised his FanDuel score wasn't higher than what it was because of all the takedowns over there, but obviously pulled off, pulled off a great score there. Let's move on to the next matchup on this card. Uh, that will be Matt Brown taking on Diego Lima. Matt Brown, the underdog in this one. He is plus 155, minus 175 for Diego Lima. And uh, Matt Brown, 7,200 over on DraftKings for Diego Lima. It is $9,020 for Diego Lima over on FanDuel, $9 for Matt Brown. And, and you brought up a, a point uh, when we were talking pre-show about Diego Lima uh, of just the, the size that he does have at this weight class. Uh, you know, this is obviously a much better matchup for Matt Brown as opposed to, you know, when he was booked up there against Miguel Baeza. And, and look, we saw Matt Brown get off to a great start in that Miguel Baeza fight. But the one thing you're always worried about when it comes to Matt Brown, and you got to imagine that ATT Atlanta team has been hammering this point home throughout the preparation for this one is aim for the body. Yeah. My gosh. Yeah. He's a sucker for a body shot for sure. And, uh, you know, he, his toughness was always, you know, put to the test throughout his career. And that's why he has so many victories within the UFC and his strength of schedule and his resume speaks for itself. He's fought everybody and he's had to overcome a lot of adversity within his career. Now, when you've built a career out of having to overcome adversity, it's very tough to do that at the tail end of your career, right? Because, uh, you know, your body's not as durable. You're not as sharp as you once once were. Um, you're not as fast as you once were. You don't hit as hard and you've also been chin checked, knocked out and cracked to the body more times than anybody. So, um, I understand why people will be hating on Diego Lima because they always think that he's the lesser of the two brothers. And obviously he is, if you want to really put it in that perspective, you know, he's not nearly as good as Douglas Lima. Um, but I do think that there's a possibility that he's a late bloomer. Yes. He's had experience on the ultimate fighter, and this could be a fighter that's really starting to click, you know, later on in his career rather than early on. And, uh, you know, we've seen him get hit with big shots and kind of cower away and run from a fight, so to speak. But we've also seen him make some adjustments and look, you know, slightly reminiscent to his brother where he starts to punish the leg, land some big shots. He's a big, big guy. So I do think that physicality will be there. And, uh, you know, if you look back on Matt Brown's previous performance against Carlos Condit when he was out grappled and, and kind of just, just outgunned in that matchup, I don't see how Diego Lima – you know, outside of getting hit with a, with a big shot and finish, I don't see how he loses this fight. I do like Diego Lima quite a bit, and I'll probably like him more than the public. But I do understand why people would still be on Matt Brown thinking that, you know, the immortal can go out there and just get in the head of Diego Lima, hit him hard, hit him early, and try to take him out there before he really gets, you know, some momentum behind him. But it's Diego Lima for me, man, whether it's a TKO um, or possibly just an excellent performance over 15 minutes. I think that he will pay off that 9,000 price tag. And on a strange card like this week that I'm not too fond of, Jason, I do like Diego Lima a little bit. So I'll probably be over the field. And I think that's going to be somewhat contrarian. I think that people are naturally going to want to you know, play Matt Brown at 7,200. I, I'll have I'll throw some darts on Matt Brown. I'll throw okay. some darts on my 20 max. I mean, no, nothing crazy. I mean, like, I mean, literally 10, 15% Matt Brown, just to kind of throw some darts. <laughs> I thought you were going to say 10, 15 of my 20 lineups. I'm like, bro. I mean, no, 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 if no. you do that, right? Like last week, um, I had 80% McKinney. Remember that? Like, and I was scrambling for the show. 
And it was just fantastic when he came through because I shot up all of my lineups, no matter what happened, that was just killing it. But I obviously didn't have nearly enough Brandon Moreno. And especially when Jamal Hill kind of just goes out there and has that type of performance, it does set me back. But any night when you are over the field on a fighter that absolutely kills it, that's what, you know, that's an aggressive way to play, but it definitely is amazing when, when you're on the right side of it. For the best TV viewing experience, witness the coziest maroons, the most vibrant and brightest moons, the eeriest and darkest tombs, and radiant and vivid hues in any type of room with the Neo QLED and OLED TVs by Samsung. We're supposed to say Samsung, but that didn't rhyme, so <laughs> you're welcome. Samsung, more wow than ever. Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this football season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code get100 that's code get100 at prizepicks.com/get100 for a first deposit match up to $100 prizepicks daily fantasy sports made easy nick ward mentioned in the chat earlier right at the beginning of the show he goes who said for vol was a lock last week we had that in the chat last week yeah somebody said that remember oh boy I'm, I'm just glad that we didn't say he was I, a lock. I, so it was funny cuz i was at my nephew's graduation party and pete with it when you actually you had service on your phone yeah you text me and i was like well that's got to be good news <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah it was amazing did you end up seeing it was just a a nice yeah, little I saw, I'm, I'm actually talking I'm, I'm actually talking to terrence tomorrow nice there you go look at jason floyd guys if you guys are not tuning into jason floyd's you know channel where he's just interviewing fighters he's been this is, this is how i met jason and uh you know show some support for jason follow him on twitter and, uh, you know, just see all the interviews, get some behind the scenes, get some extra insight that can help you for your DFS lineups. It's pretty awesome that our guy is a staple within the MMA community. Yeah. Well, if I can really talk about the author comments, I have, <laughs> <laughs> that's what, that's what a good juicy stuff is. Yeah. I've got a, I've got a trio of interviews that, that I'm doing, uh, tomorrow. Uh, but, uh, you know, another comment we had was about, uh, you know, speaking of fire time, that kind of fight was not a great showing for Matt Brown. And, uh, you know, I mean, look, it's, it, it's, it's for me, it's a dart throw. I understand where you're coming from, but my concern is at 9,000, if it's a 15 minute decision, how many takedowns do I potentially need for that price to pay off? Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know if that's the game plan that's going to happen. I think he could go that route. I think that he could out grapple Matt Brown. I also think that he can outstrike Matt Brown, punish him on the feet and just kind of, you know, get him out of there. Um, at 7,200, you're looking for a lucky shot. And whenever we're talking about, you know, just throwing a dart or, you know, you almost have to be okay with those lineups failing because more often these, these underdogs or these, these fighters that are going extremely low owned, the probability of them coming through when that, you know, the odds are stacked against them and all this and that it's a real chance. It's a fist fight. 
but the probability is low. So if you are okay with being aggressive on some of these low probability spots, that's how you will actually shoot up the ladder, shoot up the rankings. And that's why we say MMA is the craziest sport in the world, because when you're on somebody that nobody else is on, that's how you really take down a GPP. Yeah. That's why I always say when I'm looking at, when it comes to our ownership projections, I'm always looking at lever spots. Who are the fighters underneath 20% ownership? Where can you take advantage? Of course, uh, last week, Terrence McKinney was one of them. If you have Paul Craig, that was another one you're able to take advantage of. But of course, uh, one of the things that Pete and I love to see after the fights are over is all of those screenshots of your winning lineups. And uh, when you do finish in the top three of a contest of over 5,000 entries and you're rocking that Awesomeo avatar on your DFS profile, you can get into the Awesomeo Hall of Fame where you tweet those wins at us at Awesomeo. HOF, you win a free month of Awesomeo Plus Platinum. And uh, some of our recent inductees into the Awesomeo Hall of Fame, uh, the real cons coming in first and second NBA contest winning over 6,500 in one contest and nearly $125 in another contest. Peter Hanley coming in first in two NBA showdown contests, winning $6,000 in one of them and nearly $4,000 in another. Also, the Dust 1-2 coming in, uh, chopping first place there, coming up with $2,700. And then uh, Corey coming in first in an NBA showdown. Single bullet, love seeing those single bullets in those big GPPs, of course, uh, this time of the year in NBA, you know you're going to be chopping with a ton of people there as he won $2,000. So congratulations to him. And, of course, be sure to tweet those wins at Awesomeo Hall of Fame. And, of course, uh, what, note that only one free month cannot be awarded to a user per calendar year. Next up, we got Alexi versus Nikolai here. Alexi is your betting favorite at minus 245. Nikolai plus 205, 9,300 for Alexi over on DraftKings, $23 over on FanDuel. Nikolai, 6,900 on DraftKings, $8 over on FanDuel. So uh, any thoughts of potentially going with the value play here? Gosh, this is such an ugly fight. And, uh, you know, you talk about the ultimate dart throw would be Nick uh, Negu Mariano. Um, I mean, because when he debuted against uh, – when he debuted against Saperbeg Safarov, I mean, that's one of the worst fighters in the UFC, and he just did not look good at all. And then you, you know, dive into his career and you really examine it. His strength of schedule is one of the most questionable I think we've ever seen within the cage. Um, he has a lot of finishes on the mat, you know, Bravo chokes, uh, rear naked chokes, um, some slams and punches and arm bar. So, like, he's well-versed on the mat, but he's taking out people that – are extremely mismatched in the fights. And now we're talking about taking on a guy in Alexa Kamer, who is a main training partner for Stipe Miocic, a main sparring, uh, sparring partner. I do think that Alexa Kamer is kind of like overhyped to a point. And I think that now his stock has come back to earth a little bit after losing against William Knight. And I think that well, I talk about it every week with you guys, that recency bias is a real thing. So when, when somebody's coming off a loss, People always want to investigate and look at the other guy um, as, as a potential flyer. Now, they're both coming off of losses, but I do think that everything really favors Alexa Kamer. I understand that he didn't look good in the grappling and wrestling exchanges against William Knight, but I can say from Connecticut, you know, I've seen William Knight fight plenty of times, 
And he is one of the most explosive and strong fighters out there within the division that can really implement takedowns and control you on the map. So I don't really like think of it so negatively of Alexa Kamer. Yes. I think that he had a lot of hype and some of that has been derailed, but I do think on the feet, he can pick apart uh, Nick. And I, I do think that even on the mat, he can, you know, get out of some bad positions. So I think that he's just, he's the guy. I think that he's the A side of the fight. Clearly the odds agree with me. And uh, I, I can't really put my money on Nick Nagu Mariano uh, rather than I'd say 5% of lineups just because, but expect those 5% of lineups to not really come through. Yeah. It's uh it's not a fight that I, I, I foresee myself having a ton of exposure to. And, yeah. and part of that is, is comes to the price of Alexi being at 9,300. Next up, we got Murata and Janda Roba. And I just mentioned Miles checking in the chat, asking about who's going down Takedown City. And I have got a candidate who has the potential, but I am worried if she does go the takedown route of potentially getting submitted. And that is Murata. She's plus 115, 7,800 over on DraftKings, but her path to victory is using her wrestling, but I am concerned about her potentially getting submitted on the ground here by Jana Robo. Yeah, legitimate concerns, and uh, they're valid because I do think that Kanaka Murata, um, you know, when she debuted against Rana Marcos, you think Rana Marcos is a decent striker, decent grappler, tends to get outworked on the mat and potentially submitted. So when she's paired up against a you know an accomplished and accredited wrestler like Kanaka Murata you think Maratha would absolutely explode that she would really put on a, a showing and she did, but as for, for DFS, it doesn't really translate into the best score. Um, you know, she, she landed four takedowns, nine minutes of control time. Um, you know, and, and when we really look at it, it's, it's okay. She didn't do horrible. She did great in that fight, but scoring 88 points. Okay. Let's say she scores 88 points in a fight against, you know, Verna Janaroba, who is absolutely more dangerous than Rana Marcos on the mat. So she's going to have to be on her P's and Q's and be very, very careful because she cannot get, you know, caught in submission. She can't leave her arm out there. She can't leave her neck out there on a double. Um, I think that Kanaka Murata could go slightly over-owned, but there is potential there. Um, we always talk about how jiu-jitsu fighters sometimes struggle against wrestlers who have good top position because they're on their back losing rounds, playing from guard, trying to attempt submissions when the top fighter from top position is, you know, maintaining control time, landing ground and pound strikes. Um, I do think that Kanaka Murata being a part of CSA is a great development for her career. I think that she's going to turn into a very, very solid striker. She is solid now, and that's how she's going to round out her game. This is a fight that you and I kind of went back and forth on, and we're like, outside of a Janaroba submission, I don't really know if I like this fight because they could nullify each other and they can both be somewhat hesitant because, um, you know, Jana Robe is going to not be hesitant because she has the confidence in her jujitsu. But I think Kanaka Murata could be hesitant about landing takedowns or staying down there when somebody's so dangerous off their back. Yeah, I just, uh, just peaked our ownership. I was actually uh, the, the ownership a little higher than I expected in terms of this matchup. I, I thought it'd be a little lower potentially maybe a lever spot here, but to me, 
Uh, if you're looking, I would say this. I think I prefer Murata as a cash game play as mm-hmm. opposed to a GPP. Just kind of a, a lot of what you just said there. You know, you look at, you know, those four takedowns and only getting 88 points at inner last fight. That's definitely something to stick out there. Of course, we mentioned about the monkey knife fight line for Chaos Williams and Matthew Schmelzberger. Chaos Williams, a minus 155 betting favorite in this one. Matthew Schmelzberger. Plus 135. I do like the prop of Chaos Williams wins in round one plus 275 because, well, I think if Chaos Williams is going to win, it's going to come in the first round. But you bring up some great points about Matthew Schmelzberger. And to me, my boom bust fighter this week is Chaos Williams because if he goes out there and wins, it's likely a first round knockout. It's going to be a massive score. He's probably going to be optimal even at 8,900. But if he loses, it's just going to be a really low score. Yeah, so it's a it's a matter of um, how much stock do we put in the you know the, the KO wins over Abdul Razak Al Hassan. Um, you know it's you know it, it's tough to say because outside the UFC, Chaos Williams wasn't like some of this. He was he had a lot of fights as an amateur, um, some decent amount of fights as a pro, but he wasn't like finishing everybody. Then he comes into the UFC and he knocks out Alex Morona in 27 seconds and then uh, Al Hassan in 30 seconds. So obviously his stock is so, so high. Pair him against Michelle Pajaya, who is extremely difficult to deal with. And it turns out to be an underwhelming affair of being a little gun shy. Now against a guy in uh, Samuelsberger, I think that this is an interesting matchup and it's pretty even because Samuelsberg is 8 and 2 you have Chaos Williams as 11 and 2 you are you know completely correct by saying Chaos Williams is the ultimate gpp play the the boom bust guy that could get you that Francis Ngannou bonus could get you that quick quick knockout within the first round you know get us over 100 points pretty easily 129 against Morono 127 against Al Hassan it's the potential is there but what happens if his opponent is so tough and durable and could take a shot and also give a shot and mix in some takedowns. And that's the the dilemma he has here against Matt Summersberger. Yes, three years ago, two and a half years ago, we did see Summersberger get knocked out uh, by a guy named Jerome Featherstone. But inside the cage, we have seen him put Jason Witt's lights out with a hard, hard right hand. We did see a complete performance with high volume against Carlton Minus. So I do think that the GPP potential play is clearly chaos Williams. The cash play is Matt Semmelsberger, but I do feel like Semmelsberger is a safer play because of his well-rounded skill set. And I am slightly favoring Matt Semmelsberger. And that's something I didn't really expect heading into this week. Um, it's just the, the skill set, the grappling, uh, patching some holes and maybe just, uh, you know, exploiting chaos Williams and, you know, incomplete game, so to speak, but I'm excited for the matchup. This is a fight. I will be prioritizing. Um, we talked about the other fights. I will be prioritizing. This might be my third favorite on the card and I'll have plenty of both sides. Yeah. To me, it's definitely a fight that you, uh, you got to have in your GPP lives and ownership is showing that uh, people are prioritizing this matchup. Of course, uh, be sure to follow Osimo on social media. And if you're looking to score a free also plus pass, or just want to stay up to date on DFS news and Osimo offerings, make sure to follow all the Osimo social media channels on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and join our Osimo fans Facebook group, as well as we run exclusive giveaways for each platform. So maximize your chances 
of winning by following each one. You got to be, you know, our guy, news guy, always helping us out with those lineups of who's in, who's out, uh, always give you that latest DFS news that you need to help with your lineups. Uh, Samuel, appreciate you in the super chat. We will get to your questions at the issue. I promise this week I will get to your super chat. <laughs> I forgot last week, answered it in the comment section. So, look, you always notice, go to those comment section after show's over. Me and Peter are in there. So, if there's something that uh, maybe you want to have a question for us after the show, you can hop right in those comment sections. We do answer your questions as well there. Let's move on. We've got three more matchups here left on the show. We got a heavyweight matchup of Josh Parisian take on Roque Martinez. Josh Parisian, a minus 140 betting favorite, plus 124 Roque Martinez. 8,700 for Josh Parisian, 7,500 for Roque Martinez, 18 and 13, respectively. Pete, this has got 15 minute decision written all over it. You said that and you mentioned it to me before the show. Could this be a sneaky fight because everybody's kind of on the same page? So we all think it's going to be a sloppy heavyweight affair. Look, I think if you're looking for a leverage spot, Roque Martinez is, is the guy you, you you target in this matchup. Okay, exactly. That was kind of where I was, you know, steering you in that direction. I do think that this is a uh, an interesting fight for sure. It's a heavyweight fight. Um, typically, we like to prioritize heavyweight fights, but we also like to, you know, put our finger on certain heavyweight fights that could be a stinker and could go 15 minutes of them leaning on each other, uh, having occasional moments of you know striking and then a lot of fatigue will set in now the fatigue is a big big issue as far as josh parisian parisian is um considered i i do worry about his gas tank i do think that roki martinez despite being undersized for the division i think that his volume and his cardio will be slightly not his volume his durability i guess i would mention like he's fought some legitimate competition um over his career and uh, if you really kind of go into Josh Parisian's career, he's had some inconsistent moments and he has captured some excellent wins, some wins that really caught me by surprise, but he has some surprising defeats as well. Um, I don't know how to go about this fight and I'm always transparent about fights I'm struggling with. This is one I'm struggling with a little bit. I think I will naturally side with Parisian um, if he can, you know, out volume Roki Martinez and kind of win two of the three rounds I do worry about him falling off a cliff as far as, far as cardio is considered. Um, but as far as DFS, right, if I'm looking 8,700 Parisian, uh, Roki Martinez 7,500, Parisian really did not look good against Parker Porter. He didn't look good in that fight. He threw a lot, but he did not look good. Um, Roki Martinez probably won't be able to keep up with the volume, but maybe he can capitalize on a fatigue uh, Parisian. But with all that being said, I hate this matchup. I'll probably avoid it for most of my lineups, but if I have to pick somebody, I guess I'll lean with a, a Parisian in the matchup. Yeah, it, it's it's just not a fight that I love just because I do think it's going to go 15 minutes. Right. But look, I think uh, Roque Martinez could potentially be that leverage play of the week just based on what we're seeing in terms of ownership. Uh, two more fights here to go. Of course, uh, if you're not subscribed also right here on YouTube, be sure to do that. Hit the thumbs up button. That really does help us out a lot as well. we got great programming for you each and every day. So keep it locked here to Osmo for all of your NBA, MLB, NHL, MMA, NASCAR. We got you covered. 
soccer coverage. We've got you everything over here at awesome.com. Next up, we got Joaquin Silva, a minus 130 betting favorite, taking on Ricky Glenn, who plus 110, moving up to the 155 pound division here. 8,300 for Silva, Glenn, 7,900. $16 for Silver on FanDuel, $15 for Glenn. Uh, you know, I guess the first thought for me with Rick Glenn is obviously moving up to 155. How's he going to kind of fit in with this division in terms of size? For Joaquin Silva, if you're going to be a Joaquin Silva backer here, Pete, obviously you're thinking he's going to get the job done here early because you do kind of concern potentially could he fade if this fight gets into late, late second, third round. Yeah, I think the cardio is definitely in uh, Ricky Glenn's favor. Um, I think that his salary is appealing at 7,900, you know, especially because he has 27 fights to uh, Joaquin Silva's 14. Um, I'm interested because he's an underdog, but I do recognize the the tough test set ahead against Joaquin Silva, who is extremely dangerous on the feet, throws with, you know, excellent power, good shots, has actually picked up some some decent wins, um, obviously looking to rebound from that Nasrat Hakparas defeat. Uh, where he was laid out, but it, that was Nasrat Hawkfrost. I can't really hold that against them too much. Ricky Glenn, to a point. Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this basketball season? Test your skills on prize picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code get100. That's code get100 at prizepicks.com/get100. For a first deposit matchup to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. I don't know if his if he still has like room to grow within the division or within the sport. He has so many fights throughout his career. And I do wonder if it's kind of, you know, the best days of Ricky Glenn are kind of done. Um, I do think that Joaquin Silva is one of the best GPP plays on the entire slate because of how hard he hits and how aggressive he is. He can pick up, um, you know, knockouts in the first round, third round, second round. I mean, even in the third round against uh, Jared Gordon, he picked up 94 points because he threw at a high clip, um, 121 total strikes, uh, got a takedown in a third round knockout. That was actually really, really brutal. First round knockout over Holbrook. He scored 127. So I do think that Joaquin Silva can break the slate, but, with all that being said, Ricky Glenn's volume and sneaky volume, especially if you look back on that Gavin Tucker fight where he threw uh, 184 total strikes, landed four takedowns, he's going to be shooting a lot in this matchup. And I do wonder how he is a weight class up. If he can land any takedowns, yes, he'll maybe feel fresher, but is he at a strength disadvantage? Um, what happens when he gets hit from a 155er? We'll have to see how this all goes, but um I wish I liked Ricky Glenn more than I actually do. I'm going to favor uh, Joaquin Silva at 8,300. I think it's affordable. It's an excellent GPP, uh, you know, piece for your for your lineups. Then the opening matchup is a female matchup. You got Casey taking on Laura. Casey a plus 140 betting underdog minus 160 for Laura on the other side. Laura 8,500 on DK, 7,700 for Casey. What is your take on this one, Pete? 
Oh, this fight, Jason, this fight, Jason. First fight in the night, volatility is extreme, and it always is, right? Each week, we always talk about how volatile the first fight in the night is and how it ruins a lot of your lineups, especially if you take an aggressive stance on it. So I do think that we have to temper some expectations here for Casey O'Neill. Yes, box score watchers will be looking at Casey O'Neill saying, wow, she scored 139.6 points in her first fight against Shana Dobson. She's only priced at 7,700. And she's fighting a fighter in Laura Procopio who scores 88.9 fantasy points per fight and is priced pretty expensive at 8,500. Heck, I'm going to take a shot on Casey O'Neill. And I can't really fault him or hate on him because the wrestling and the, the cardio seems to be there. Um, obviously, she has some questionable strength of schedule to this point. But you don't know how talented a fighter is until they're matched up against an equal opponent, right? Like, yes, we know that maybe she hasn't fought tough competition, but eventually she's going to have to. She's, she's going to have to face some tough competition. And this could be the fight. Laura Procopio, I think, will be a common pick um, because she's big. She is a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. The submission is there to threaten um, Casey O'Neill. And Procopio did you know, lose a split decision over a fighter that a lot of people have and hold in high regard in Carol Hosa. And I actually think that Carol Hosa is pretty damn talented for the division, but on the feet, she's, you know, she's, she's talented. She threw, she threw 169 strikes in that fight against Carol Hosa. Um, that fight was primarily on the feet in the fight against Molly McCann. She resorted to seven takedowns, but the one key factor that we're really, we really don't know is how does she handle defending takedown after takedown after takedown from Casey O'Neill because McCann shot some takedowns and they were defended. They weren't really counted on the stats, but I watched the fight and, you know, she has some good awareness and some good technical skills to avoid takedowns, but against a wrestler and against somebody that could push the pace like Casey O'Neill can, I'm curious. I'm curious. That's all I'm going to say. I'm curious. I, I can't ignore Casey O'Neill. I will favor, um, I will favor Procopio because of the, the strength of schedule, the two fights that she has, Molly McCann and Carol Hosa, both two talented fighters. If Casey O'Neill runs through Procopio, absolutely the real deal. She's already regarding herself as a top five fighter for the division or something crazy like that, but she has to prove a little bit more before I'm really backing her to a high extent or high degree. But uh, man, Procopio for me with some exposure to Casey O'Neill. Of course, uh, before we get into listener questions to wrap up this edition of the awesome MMA strategy show, let's give our straight up fight picks. These are not DFS related. So let's see how many differences oh Pete boy. and I have here. Oh boy. Chan Sung Jung versus Dan Ige. I'm just going to say that we're going to have so many differences because I absolutely hate this card, but I'm going Chan Sung Jung. Give me the Korean zombie. Give me Dan Ige. In the yeah, here we go. That's a okay. favorite here. Be I'm pretty the- sure we're going to agree on the go main event. I'm pretty sure we both have Sergey Spivak. Spivak for me. Marlon Vera, Davy Grant. Give me Marlon Vera. Marlon Vera. All right, let's see if we're, uh, if we're on the same page here. I think we may be. Julian Arosa versus Sung Woo Choi. Hurts me to say because I'm scared, but I'll say Julian Arosa. I thought we'd agree there. I would go Julian Rosa as well. Uh, Wellington Thurman versus Bruno Silva. Silva. I will go Silva as well. Diego Lima versus Matt Brown. Diego Lima. I want to take Matt Brown. You've talked me in Diego Lima. <laughs> yeah, bro. <laughs> Alexi versus uh, Nikolai. I will take Alexi. Yeah, Alexa Kamer. Uh, give me the underdog in Murata against Jana Rowe because of the wrestling. 
let me just because, just because to be different, I will say Janaroba. All right. Chaos Williams, Matthew Schmelzberger. I think we're going to disagree here. Give me Chaos Williams to win by knockout in the first round. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Give me Schmelzberger. Josh Parisian, Roke Martinez. God. I know. I'm with you there. I'll, I'll go Josh Parisian. I'll, I'll go first here. Non, non DFS. Let me root for Roki Martinez. All right. Joaquin Silva, Ricky Glenn. I will go Joaquin Silva. Yeah, Joaquin Silva. And I will take Laura in the opening fight. Yeah, give me Laura Procopio. Man, it is such an ugly card, right? Like, I feel like we're back in the COVID era where people like this is like a, this is like, you know, March of 2020 when people were falling off left and right and we were just left with fights. That's kind of what it you feels can, like. But last week was you a tell treat. They, you can tell they don't have to sell tickets. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> very true. Yeah, that's true. Uh, let's get into the questions here to wrap up this edition of the strategy show. Let's start off with Samuel there in the super chat. He's got his usual questions. So that's top two cash, top two GPP, underdog champions, favorite inside distance, overlooked fighter, upset of the night. So let's uh, talk top two cash in terms of this one. Uh, I will say Sergey Spivak. Yep. And my second for cash would probably be Marlon Vera. Yeah, I don't hate either one of them. I will say Sergey Spivak and give me the Korean zombie. Top two GPPs. This is really interesting because there's some fights I'm targeting in terms of GPPs. Right. Um, I would probably say Sergey Spivak would be up there as a part of a GPP just because of thinking uh, of terms of uh, a stoppage coming there. Damn. To label a second one in terms of GPP that I'm really confident in, it's tough because like I, I I look at my GPP plays and I'm saying, okay, I want to throw some darts on a Rosa. I, I like him in, in that spot. Um, you know, Chaos Williams, but he's the ultimate boom bust fighter on this card. Um Joaquin Silva's another one. I want I want to have some, but man, it's it's tough to like say like that's my clear number two. Yeah, this is a very, very difficult week. Um I will say that when I clicked on Sergey Spivak's name, the scoring totals absolutely blew my mind. Uh, he scored 132 points against Jared Vandera, 101 against Felipe, and 120 against Taitu Ibasa. That might be your guy as far as like GPP. You might be co- absolutely correct on that. Now, the second one is probably the most difficult thing to, to kind of fathom. I think for GPP, right, just based on potential, I think I'd have to look at a guy like Joaquin Silva, even though I know Rick Glenn hasn't been knocked out I doesn't mean that it can't happen. Top underdog of the week. Hmm. There's 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 a couple of I, I mean I think you have to look right at the top of Chan Sung Jung as a, even though in terms of DraftKings he's a quote unquote fair but as we sit here right now he is the betting underdog I think you mentioned about Wellington Thurman because of, of the takedown abilities uh, you know Julian Rosa is someone that we have mentioned. Uh, Murata because of her ability to take the fight to the ground. Schmelzberger, you, you labeled out, uh, you know, mm-hmm. potentially, you know, taking down, taking out the gas in, in Chaos Williams, weather in the early storm. So there, there's a lot of options there for underdogs. 
Yeah, there's a lot of options. And uh, on a card like this, when there's 12 fights, you have to get different. And I think getting at least two underdogs is how you will have, you know, the correct build. Um, I actually can see a week like this week where we actually see three people come through for us. I think it's a tie for me between Julian Arosa and Matt Semmelsberger. I think that the upside is similar. Um, I think that the upside for an Arosa finish is a lot higher than a Semmelsberger finish. So maybe, maybe Arosa's finishing ability slightly edges Semmelsberger, but Semmelsberger's takedowns can make this fight extremely interesting, especially if he gets Chaos Williams outside of round one. In terms of MVP champion, let me look. I, I think Chan Sung Jung makes a lot of sense there, potentially him to defend takedown tests. I'm going to give you a very under-the-radar MVP play. Let me hear it, brother. Diego Lima. That's my guy. What the heck you mean, under-the-radar? That's my guy. Go look at ownership projections, bro. You'll see why I'm saying under-the-radar. Really? Pete, no, really low. Everybody hates my boy. I, I like him, and I, I like him from a personal perspective. And I understand why people are critical of him because of the up and downs throughout his career and how he's been inconsistent. And, you know, he's made it to the ultimate fighter and then he did, he looked great on the show. And then the finale, he's dropped the ball. I just think that he, I, I like him. I think he's a late bloomer. Favorite inside the distance to me is a co-main event. Really? Huh? Let me see. If that fight goes 15 minutes, that is going to be a very sloppy heavyweight fight. Yeah. I might say my favorite or one of my favorite inside the distance would probably be the Diego Lima, Matt Brown. I think that the durability of Matt Brown's in question. And I also think you can kind of point the finger at Diego Lima and say, I don't think I don't trust him to take a shot. Yeah. Uh, overlooked fighter. Heck, I wish we knew. Um, it's, it's a tough one. I mean, I say Wellington Terman. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, upset of the night. What are we considering upset? Um, Schmelzberger plus 135. He's got to wear that. What's Arosa at? Uh, He's plus 135. There's not a lot of, I mean, here's your big underdogs. Alexi Olenek plus 185. Davey Grant plus 170. Uh, Nikolai plus 205. What about Terman? How how big is he? Plus 120. Wow. You don't have big betting on this, right? This, okay, all these odds. Vegas is Vegas is as confused as we are with this entire slate, right? And I think that this is a perfect slate for people to take advantage of this by including maybe more underdogs than than normal, or actually not, maybe not including, but considering more underdogs than normal because there's only 12 fights. You're gonna have to get different no matter what. You know what chalky lineups will be, and the odds are odds are decently close on a lot of these bouts. Yeah. Uh, there's a, I'll, I'll pair these questions together. Mr. Bubbles asked, he goes, how many fights will end inside the distance? And also, uh, Nick saying over under five and a half fights inside the distance. I was just using that five, use that five and a half. I'll go over. I'll go. Over I was just going to ask you five and a half. That is so that's a perfect number. I'm saying, I'm saying under really. Oh, okay. I mean, okay. Who's finishing? You tend, to, you tend to be right on these ones. I'll tell you, I, I tend to get these ones wrong. So 
Who who's finishing who? All right, I think main event goes the distance. Okay. Co-main event, I think you got a, a good probability that ends it in a in a uh, stoppage. Okay. Vera Grant. I bet you that goes the distance. I think it's kind of fifty. I think it's fifty fifty. All right, let's one. give it to you. Call it. Call it. It gets finished. Arosa Troy. I say yes. That's a finish. <laughs> okay. Thurman Silva. Tough say, Jason Brown Lima. I Brown Lima. I think is a stoppage. Jason's expecting a seven hundred point lineup. That watch, watch it be a seven hundred point lineup. We'll have to see. Or, uh, look, look, the days of the trying to get the six hundred over, Pete. It's true. It is You're true. now trying to get to seven hundred every week. That is true. Yeah, it could be a. You big remember we we do these shows going? Oh, it's a race six hundred. It's no longer a race. Right, you get to six hundred means like you're like in hundredth place. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that with how many fights you're expecting to be finished, we could be looking at an abnormally high number. Yeah, I mean it's a lot of close fights, you know. Um, in terms of that one, uh, let's get some other uh, questions. Top two eighty six hundred over GPP plays on DraftKings. Top two. Over 82? Over 86. Oh, 86. Top two over 86. Well, I hate to say it, but I guess I'll go Bruno Silva and Sergey Spivak just to give you a mid and a high. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'd probably say Spivak. Be back. Ugh. I'm really not confident that he can get rid of Olenek. I don't think Olenek's got the gas tank for 15 minutes. I think that, that's the biggest oh, problem that's, there. That's true. He lays upside down with his feet on the with his feet <laughs> on the mat. Yeah. And some commissions are going to wave it off thinking he had a heart attack. <laughs> I tell tell me if this is at if this is in my hometown, tell me. The commissioner is not freaking out, worried about the about the athlete safety. Let's be real. <laughs> exactly. Uh, no comment. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, favorite salary saver on the slate coming from Nick. Favorite salary saver. Who we, who we liking, guys? Is it gotta be Schmelzberger seventy three hundred? It's gotta. It's gotta be Samuelsberger. I mean, look, as I said there, Chaos Williams to me is the boom-bust fighter on this slate. I mentioned two weeks ago is Walt Harris. To me, this one, it's Chaos Williams because if he's winning, it's a knockout in the first round. Yeah, 100%. Of course, uh, we will be here on Saturday for Live Before Lock. Of course, Lock this week is at 4 p.m. Eastern time, so we'll be here on early Saturday afternoon. I believe we're on at 3 p.m. Eastern time. I believe so. I haven't haven't honestly looked at the schedule, so I'm... As I see what Tyler's saying, yeah. <laughs> so but I believe we're on at 3 p.m. each time. If not, I'll I'll have it on my Twitter profile at Jason underscore Floyd. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, thanks for joining us tonight, guys. Uh, like I say, every Saturday, come hang out with us, come engage in chat. Uh, if you can't hang out on Saturday, 
leave a comment on this video. Let us know how much you like the show uh, about your lineups last week, about some hot takes for this week. Just uh, ask us anything you want. We really appreciate you guys. As you head out, if you can just hit that thumbs up, get us over 100 likes. We'd really appreciate you. And uh, looking forward to Saturday, Jason. You know, uh, some of, sometimes these cards really, you know, surprise us and absolutely come through and we're like sitting there saying, wow. And Dana White ends up looking like a genius more often than not. That's why I'm thinking over five and a half on yeah. Fiserv and the stoppage. I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> and then, you know, hopefully it's not the race 800. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> but that is going to do it for the strategy show. Of course, be sure to check out our sponsor, Monkey Knife Fight. They've got instant first match deposit of up to $100. All you got to do is use that promo code AWESOMO. Of course, we'll be here on Saturday. Of course, keep it locked here to AWESOMO all day long. Of course, uh, tomorrow they'll have all we get you ready for the MLB and NBA slate of action. So that's going to do it for this edition of the also MMA strategy show. We will talk to you on Saturday for live before lock. Good night, everybody. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.